Welcome to the Informal Podcast. I am your host, Austin Coley, alongside with my co-host, Sam Lewis. Sam, we have a guest today who is way more qualified to talk about sports than either one of us. We actually got a professional for this episode. We are joined by... It's about Just- time. It is. It is about time. <laughs> we are joined by our good friend, Justin Beasley, who is a reporter for News Channel 4 in Nashville. He covers all things Nashville sports. But today, we are actually going to talk about the Titans. So first of all, just thank you so much for coming on, Justin. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. It's uh, it's an honor to be on the, on the podcast that you guys would consider me. And uh, uh, yeah, happy to talk Titans with you guys. Yeah, we're pumped to talk about the Titans. I mean, we've got, what, we're coming up on maybe 10 days, 11 days until the first game. Um, right. And I mean, we just we just couldn't be more excited about this year. Um, but we know everything that comes with Titans fanhood. You know, the ups and the downs. Mostly uh, downs. Most, most, <laughs> mostly the downs. And it's such a transitional year for them because they, they built something, you know, over the last three, four, five years, and they built it one way. And so a, a change in regime and, and new players. Um, pumped to hear, you know, what you've been hearing around camp and, and um, just around your job. Well, yeah, it's, you know, you mentioned it's funny because you mentioned the downs of the Titans, and it's been mostly down since they moved to Nashville. But it, it's funny because now you guys have a playoff win last year. You fire your head coach, you get a new one, and now there's so much criticism, I guess, now because you guys have a playoff win and you want to get that and more with what you have, and you know, you have a franchise quarterback. Um, the expectations are high around the building. I mean, in the last couple of years, expectations were were high just because you think you can do more and and you know it's close to being there but now you know that you have the guys you have the talent and now supposedly you have the coaching staff to get you over the hump to really compete for a super bowl um expectations are high at st thomas sports park uh, as they should be because if we know anything about john robinson and even mike brable it's it's super bowl or bust and that's what they've brought to tennessee this year yeah, I mean, you hit on it a little bit. Titans let go of Mike Malarkey after he had a playoff win in Kansas City that was aided by Marcus Mariota pass to himself in that game. Yeah. Um, so, but now they did bring in Mike Vrabel, but they also changed coordinators, right? Matt LaFleur comes from the Rams and Dean Pease comes from the Ravens. So you got a whole new coaching staff there designing plays. It's Matt LaFleur's first time calling offensive plays. So... Um, just looking at the coaching staff, do you have any expectations or, or hear anything um, you know around camp about those guys? Dean Pease is is a clone of of Dick LeBeau. I mean, honestly, two guys are Hall of Famers. They've they've done it at the highest level. They've coached, I mean, really all decade type defenses. So I think the defense is fine in that aspect. And, and quite honestly, on, on offense with with uh, Matt Lafleur, I mean, you're getting a young guy that yeah hasn't called. Uh, plays at the at the NFL level but he's he's been a head coach candidate and quite honestly if he does really really good this year he'll be a head coach somewhere next year or in two years so I wouldn't worry about that I mean he's he's gonna find his rhythm uh and there's a lot of layups in this offense so I I think there's I think that's overblown a little bit if that makes sense but I think they have I mean honestly he's he's an upgrade over Terry Rubisky let's be honest I mean Terry <laughs> that's Rubisky, a fact admitted last year he would call the same play to the same hole the same run play and up in the box he would see that there was an open hole and if we learned anything last year that hole never opened up 
Um, and that that probably hurt Marcus Mariota too, just just having a predictable offense that um, the plays were called in. So I, I think the offense is going to be creative. And in the NFL, I mean, 20 years ago, you have an NFL team, stadiums are full just because of that. I think we've learned now that you have to have an entertaining type of offense and just an entertaining type team to get people in the stands. And that's that's a big reason of why you know this new coaching staff comes in. They have new ideas, new thinking, and I think Titans fans are going to like it. I don't know how much of how much we've seen of that in the preseason because everything's going to be van- vanilla. But um, yeah, if any if if what we've seen in St. Louis and Atlanta is anything of what Matt Lafleur is going to be. I think Titans fans can be excited, uh, especially coming from Terry Rubisky's regime. <laughs> if you can call it a regime, I think my <laughs> yeah. thoughts, uh, my thoughts on the previous coaching staff have been well documented on this podcast. You can go back and see our published works. Um, very well documented. Very well documented. <laughs> I'm excited for the new staff, but like you kind of touched on a minute ago, the expectations are very high because the Titans had their first playoff appearance in you know quite a while last year, and then you get rid of the coach, so that's inherently raising the stakes. Um, not only did they bring in the new coaching staff, they bring in, brought, brought in excuse me, a lot of key free agents, most of them from the Patriots. Sticking with the offense, how do you see Deion Lewis coming in and giving this offense a dynamic it didn't necessarily have last year? How do you see him fitting in with the new system and with Marcus? Yeah, it, it did not have anything of the resembles of what Deion Lewis is. I mean, at all camp, all of, you know, every practice I've been to it's you know it's 1A 1B you know both guys are going to be starting type running backs it's just this guy might get the first carry this guy might get the first catch Deion Lewis he hasn't had a fully healthy season until last year in about five years so if Titans fans can see him play 16 games this season I mean you're talking about a back that is very dynamic that is going to be a problem and a matchup nightmare for most teams I mean a lot of teams last year are running screens to their running backs, and some of those teams gave 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 fits to the Titans last year. They're going to have that weapon now. You know, I think you saw against Tampa Bay that one run, that one catch for 13 yards just over the middle. I mean, that's – I think he was an intended target on that play, but, I mean, just think about the amount of checkdowns that Marcus Mario is going to have that might turn into first downs as opposed to last year where it might be a two- or three-yard pickup. I mean, Deion Lewis, and, and let's be honest, he can run through the tackles as well as anybody as well. He's very shifty. I'm just worried about his health and being able to stay healthy. But I think if they mix it up well with him and Derrick Henry, I mean, I think that's probably one of the strongest parts of the offense because the receiving core, obviously you got guys that haven't proven themselves really outside of Rashard Matthews. The offensive line doesn't look as good as it was two years ago. Marcus Mariota obviously is looking for a bounce back year through more interceptions and touchdowns right now running back looks like the sexiest position on offense I don't know if you guys think the same way but that's my opinion yeah especially with you know sort of we'll get to Corey Davis and Marcus Mariota but um, I would agree with you And, and with Deion Lewis what I think a lot of people don't realize is he's not just a third down receiving back I think you can you can you know talk on that as well. But he, like you said, he he runs to the tackles. He was New England's probably best runner last year on a team that you know also had Rex Burkhead and and James White. Um, so him in the backfield, I, I think will add a unique dynamic because when Derrick Henry's back there, it's most likely going to be a run. But w- with him back there, you can run or pass, and he can pass protect as well. So 
I think it's smart for them to use them not only in third down situations, but you know, slide him in there in first and second down as well. But like you said, I, I think just that his injury history warrants monitoring his reps, which is why it's good to have a, a work workhorse back like yeah, Derrick so, Henry. Yeah, and last year, you know, the the running game really never got going, and you know, going in the locker room, you would always hear the offensive line, you know, hey, we're we're built on really punishing teams in the fourth quarter well you don't know how long you're gonna have the ball in the fourth quarter let's be honest so I mean Deion Lewis can run in between the tackles he did it in the Patriots system obviously Derrick Henry is going to be a little bit more harder to tackle especially in the fourth quarter but you gotta you really got to keep those guys fresh both of them can do a little bit of everything I'm not sure that Derrick Henry can catch as well as maybe Deion can run between the tackles but we've seen, it, at least in the portions of practice that the media has been available to watch uh, through training camp, Derrick Henry is catching the ball out of the backfield. How much he does that in the regular season, I don't know. But you're going to have to have that balance there to keep both of them healthy. Uh, you know, last year, DeMarco Murray seemed like he was, you know, questionable for every week. You know, if you can have two guys that really can exploit the defense and do different things, that's going to help out this offense, you know, coming up this season. Sure. Um, let's move to the other side of the ball and talk about a couple of new additions, namely Malcolm Butler, who came over from the Patriots as well. He obviously had that sticky situation in the Super Bowl where he didn't start, didn't play a snap on defense, but he's obviously a really talented quarterback, and it shows with the uh, contract they gave him at five years, $61 millions. But uh, also when Cyprian went down, they signed Kenny Vaccaro as well. So speak a little bit on about those two guys and them sliding into starting roles on the Titans defense. Kenny Vaccaro, he has a personality. I mean, he's he was in New Orleans. He had a personality there. Very good fit for this defense, especially knowing that he can tackle, stomp the run a little bit more than he has skills and pass coverage, which you, you don't have to have that because you have Kevin Byard in the secondary. But he's fit seamlessly into that secondary. I mean, you have to have the personality to not take over the room because there are so many guys that are proven in that room. And, you know, Kenny Vaccaro is on a one-year deal, if I'm not mistaken. So he's really got to fit in and, and find the way and find the tight way. But it, it's a very talented secondary. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Adore Jackson is the best out of that group just by the amount of snaps he had last year and how good he was as a rookie. Uh, Malcolm Butler didn't have the greatest year last year with the Patriots. I mean, that, that pass defense was not that good. But the money that he got is well-deserved. There aren't many guys in the National Football League that can cover the way he does. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder, obviously, after last year uh, being, sent, being sat during the Super Bowl, especially when the Patriots and the Eagles uh, come to Nissan Stadium. Kevin Byard is, is Kevin Byard. I mean, he's, he's improved of what he's done last year. I'm sure you guys have seen all of his workout videos over the offseason. You know, I'm, I'm curious to see how he maybe helps the defensive line, linebackers get more sacks, because I don't think as many teams are going to throw his way. I mean, I don't know if he's going to get Ed Reed treatment, but I'm thinking quarterbacks are going to, you know, take two looks over his side before they, before they sling it over there because he has a knack for getting the ball. Sam, how much of Malcolm Butler's five-year, $61 million do you think he made on that one play in the Super Bowl? Well, <laughs> um, that that one play accounts for about 80% of my knowledge of Malcolm Butler, and it was one of the greatest plays of all time. So, I mean, I basically am assuming we're getting like prime Deion Lewis 
um, to go with Kevin Byard, who you all who you just said is a superstar. But talking about the secondary a, as a whole, it seems like that's the way that John Robinson and even Mike Mike Vrabel to a certain extent want to build their defense, um, which is great for me because last year. The offense was pretty solid most of the season, even with the Terry Rubisky debacle happening. How the exotic kind of, Smash Mouth? The exotic Smash Mouth from yeah, Mike Rubi- <laughs> Mike, Mike Malarkey. You know, don't get me started. We've ha- I can't talk about it anymore. Um, but you kind of touched on it there for a second. But how do you think the secondary, with all the new pieces, with a Dory coming into his second season, with Kevin Byard being a legitimate All Pro, how is that going to help the rest of the defense? kind of gel into the unit it needs to be if this team's going to challenge for a division championship well if you can't stop the run your secondary doesn't matter but i think this defense can stop the run with daquan jones you know jarrell casey even uh warmsley up front they've done a good job of of doing that and showed no signs of not being able to stop it but the the whole thing that dean pease does is front multiplicity and you know consistency in the secondary they're going to have those guys that they can cover in the secondary. And I obviously, it's one of the strongest groups on this team, if not in the league. You know, they have expectations to be number one. They've set their sight, they've set their sights high. So I think you can count on them being maybe what they want to be, you know, top ten of the league, I think, at least if you think this defense is what it is. That should help the defensive line, you know, get some more sacks, being able to do a little bit more. You know, as opposed to your, you know, your third and threes where you, you're handicapped, you can only do so much. If there's a third and five, third and six, third and seven, that's where this defense is gonna um, is gonna eat and you know have its best days. Um, but the, the schedule, I, I, I know you might talk about that later, but the schedule is so tough this year. I mean, you're paired up with the AFC East and the NFC East. It's gonna be a lot of tough teams, a lot of good quarterbacks. This secondary is gonna face. Um, I'm interested to see how they do, but. They, they've got the guys to go up against the best in the league. It just depends on how they all gel and if they can stay healthy together uh, this season, which, as you guys know, health has been a factor. Uh, if you look at the depth chart, it looks like they're going into week 16, and it's not even September 9th yet. <laughs> right. Uh, so you spoke to it um, you know, a little bit ago about Adoree Jackson and the progress he's made and how good he was last year. So with Butler coming over – what does the depth chart look like there, and, and where does Logan Ryan fit into that secondary? See, you know, it's funny. Logan Ryan, you know, I, I remember that Houston game. He was guarding the slot receiver, wasn't guarding Nuke, and everybody's like, what, what is he doing? Like, he's getting all this money to guard the slot receiver. I honestly think that Dory Jackson fits better with guarding your number one or two receiver, probably two because Malcolm Butler is going to draw the number one receiver. Your number two guy is going to be faster, at least in my opinion, most times than your slot guy. I, if I had to predict, Logan Ryan's going to get whoever's in the slot, or Dory's going to get the number two guy, Malcolm's going to get the number one guy, and Kevin Byard's going to basically have free roam this year, just based off, you know, how, like I said, I don't think I don't think guys are going to throw his way as much. Dory Jackson, I mean, he he carried his weight last year, especially being a rookie, you know. Um, being on the island out by himself, basically covering num- number one and number two guys last year, I think he's the best receiver. I think he's the best quarterback on this team based on his ceiling and what he can do. Um, but, I, I, you know, Logan Ryan didn't have an interception last year. Um, he's had a couple in practices, at least, that we've been able to watch. So I would expect him to have a couple more. The, the, the secondary is in good hands. Um, 
and you know, I could be saying this about a Dory Jackson. We don't know how much offense he's going to play either. I mean, yeah, I played oh, a couple a of last year. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know you got a guy like Matt Lafleur, who I said is creative, um, that Dory Jackson might might inch his way onto the offensive side this year. You know, that's a perfect segue for us. Thank you for that. Let's move on to the offensive sign again and talk about the biggest topic, which is Marcus Mariota. Moving on from a season last year, as you spoke to, he had more interceptions than touchdowns. So I think the biggest thing that that I want to know about is his chemistry with with Corey Davis going into this season. Sophomore year for Corey Davis, he was hurt. You know, a lot of a lot of last year, and Mariota was honestly hurt a lot of last year too. So, but just in in the preseason games I've witnessed, especially in the last one. Davis was open on on two routes and they just they just couldn't get on the same page. Even that one that was a a third down that that could have gone for a touchdown. So um, it just it just doesn't look like they're gelling as well as you'd like to see. But you know that's just from from our eyes. So can you speak to anything about about their chemistry on the field and how Corey Davis is progressing in year two? I can't say I've seen anything in practice like I did on television against the Steelers. I mean that I. Titans fans, I guess, hope that that's an aberration because they've looked fine in practice. You know, last year it was Corey Davis that was injured, and now it's Marcus Mariota has a full offseason. Corey Davis has had some maintenance days, which I understand. I think it's really smart uh, to have him that way. But, I mean, yeah, the chemistry is better. It's not as bad as it it was uh, in Pittsburgh. But, you know, Corey Davis took blame for it. Marcus Mariota took blame for it. Mike Vrabel then took blame for it the following Monday. Somebody's got to own up to it. Um, and th- that kind of goes back to, I guess, the criticism that nationally guys have for Marcus Mariota and that I've had myself is he, he, he doesn't have that fire. You know, he doesn't he doesn't chew anybody out on the sideline like you'll see a Tom Brady do or he doesn't show his frustrations on the field. You know, going into year four, you kind of want to see a little bit of that from him. I, you know, I know he's a guy, he's a man, you know, built on faith and um, very humble but you want to see a little bit more leadership, at least vocal leadership, and uh, to be demonstrative to your receivers going into year four because I think that really works. I mean, you see guys that, you know, get into someone on the sideline, you know, you kind of have respect and you kind of have that fear of not making the same mistake. I'm wondering to see if, you know, if that comes out of him this year because I, I think it would help the offense a lot. Yeah, I, I agree with that. and. It'll be. I mean, this is sort of a make-or-break year for Mariota. If he doesn't perform this year, I think Titans fans will, you know, be starting to. He might have to start looking over his shoulder. So, um, but one receiver that has made an impact in the game is Tywan Taylor. Um, he's been really good during the games. He's really shown out. So, uh, talk quickly about him and his progression this year, and also uh, Rashard Matthews' update. Uh, well, Rashard was at practice. Uh, Monday came off the pup list after signing his contract. He looked, I mean, there were no setbacks. Obviously, he's eyeing September 9th. You wonder about his chemistry with Marcus Mariota, not having that, you know, the game reps and, and, you know, the reps throughout training camp. But uh, that's a guy that, you know, doesn't have all that much speed, all that much size, but just finds a way to get it done. And I I think that'll be the case once the season starts. But you, you hope that doesn't hinder him from having the season that he's capable of in this softens. But yeah, Taywan Taylor, a speedster. Uh, they're kind of doing what he did Western Kentucky, just, you know, you know, throwing over the top, finding him there. Uh, you know, he scored on a screen against the Bucks uh, and, and showed the speed that even 
LeBron James had to recognize. I mean, the guy, the guy is really fast, and I think he's going to thrive in this offense um, going into his sophomore year. I mean, last year, Terry Bisky, Mike Malarkey kind of got on to him for, you know, he's making mistakes in practice. You know, we can't have him in games doing that. Uh, that might be another one where you can throw on Terry Bisky for not making work. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> just throw it all on him. Put it, all, yeah, on. Put it all on him. It's, it's kind of like uh, what you've seen on Twitter with uh, Todd Gurley not working for Jeff Fisher. You know, it's like because, you know, he never he never let him really have the reins to it. I think Taewon Taylor is going to benefit greatly in this offense as your number three or four receiver. Moving on yeah, to let's... the – oh, sorry. Sorry, go ahead, Austin. Okay, yeah, I was going to move on to uh... – the offensive line and I was uh, too. We're on the same page here. This is nice. go ahead. Go Great ahead. Go ahead. Talk line. about the offensive line. Let's talk about the offensive line. So I think it was um arguably or or not arguably the strongest position group on the team last year. You've got most of those guys coming back. Obviously Taylor Lewan signs the huge contract in the offseason. Um Jack Conklin, to my knowledge, still has not gotten back on the field though. So that's a potential question. How do you see this group um, coming into the 2018 season, are they going to be as good as they were last year? How are they going to gel um, with most of the same guys back? You know, like I said, except for Conklin to this point, anyway. I, I would still like to see them amp it up a little bit more to be what the, to be the group they were two years ago. You know, obviously you're set with Taylor Lewan. He's he's the best tackle in the game. Um, Jack Conklin. You know, I talked to him over the summer. He had mentioned you know being back early part of the season. Um, you know, I would think that means maybe first four or five games, maybe somewhere in there. Um, he's talented. He, he's not on the field the offense, but he is out on the field doing some weights, doing a little bit more than we've seen him do, I, I guess, early in training camp. Uh, Mike Grable has been highly complimentary of Quentin Spain, um, who had a so-so year last year. So um, I, I expect this, this group, if healthy, I mean, they, I guess they've been the healthiest of anybody outside of Conklin. Um, to be what they were last year, but I think they want to be a little bit more than they were last year. But let's be honest, I mean, these the screens and the easy dump-offs and the layups in this offense, that's going to help them get, uh, you know, get some rest and get out and um, get off the blocks and, and do a little bit more downfield with the screens, which we've seen on that one play against the Bucks. So maybe a new terminology, new thinking, and a new offense helps them out too. But, um, yeah, they're, they're almost the most for sure thing on this, on this team. But again, I think they know that they can be better than they were last year, um, and that starts with the run game. Absolutely. Let's real quick. I know you got to run here. Talk uh, about the rookies. Uh, I know Rashad Evans has, has been hurt, so sort of his status, and, and then also a little about about Landry and Wadley, who's come on real strong this preseason. Yeah, uh, Rashawn Evans has, has been out for a large portion. He's all. He's also. Eyeing September 9th, but you know, as Coach Brable said, you know, there's protocols he has to go through. He has to do so much and show the coaching staff so much if if he wants to get on the field for that time. Uh, Harold Landry has, I mean, let, that guy is a first round pick that was picked in the second round. Now, the one thing that they, they had a knock on him uh, in college was his health, and we've seen it in this last game against Pittsburgh. He got dinged up a little bit, I believe it was on special teams. But there's been a couple times there's been holding calls on him. You know, he got a sack in the first preseason game. You know, you, we make a lot of how low he gets around the edge. I mean, it's true. I mean, he gets he gets pretty darn low. He's drawn a couple of holding penalties. Um, he's a it, The moment's not too big for him. I think he contributes on this team 
especially like I mentioned, if they can get in those third and five, third and six, third and sevens, he's got to be more than just the bender that gets after the quarterback, obviously in the National Football League, and obviously if you're going to play for Mike Vrabel. But if he can get in those positions that make him successful, uh, I, I would expect to see a lot from him, especially in his rookie season. Um, that That is a really good pick um, by John Robinson. And then you also uh, – did you ask about Wadley? Yeah. The running back, yeah. I, I don't know if he makes the squad if, if they only keep three running backs. I think David Fluellen, just the vet he is and the pass blocker he is and, and you know what he's done in the past, I think he solidified himself enough to – not lose that job at Wiley. Yeah, he's got a lot of speed. Um, I think he's a practice squad guy that they're going to keep around and um, maybe try to clone after Deion Lewis. You know, he needs to stay in Deion Lewis's ear uh, and learn as much as he can from him. Um, but those two linebackers are going to be the ones that you're going to want to look out for this season. And um, you just wonder how much is going to hurt uh, Rashawn Evans being out this offseason because, you know, the off. The, Looking at Corey Davis last year and how much training camp he missed, kind of messed up his whole year. You hope that's not the same uh, with with Rashawn Evans. Okay, before we get out of here, we've got to get your official prediction for the Titans this season. How do you see them stacking up against the rest of that division? Um, and if you don't mind, give us a win-loss prediction. What can we expect as Titans fans for the 2018 season? Woo! I'm going to go 8-8. Um, eight eight. Oh. Maybe 9-7. But eight and eight, but I think the team's better. I don't think the win loss record is better. If that makes sense, and and that can happen, just because of the schedule they have. I mean, I, I don't think you can bank on them beating Jacksonville twice again. I don't think you can bank on them uh, beating the Colts both times, just because Andrew Luck's back. Um, I think Houston's the team to beat in this division, just because of you know the upside, how good they were last year with Deshaun Watson. Um, I mean, yeah, I just, I just think the division's stacked, and you got to play, you got to play Philly, you got to play the Chargers, you got to play the Eagles, you got to play the Patriots, you got to play the Cowboys. I mean, the schedule's pretty tough, especially how it sets up. I know the last four games on the schedule are a little bit more winnable, but um, I just, I just think the schedule's tough. I, I think they put a better product out on the field, and I think Titans fans will see that. Um, and I think that's why there's a coaching change made because you, if, if you put the same product out on the field and expect the same result going into the season, I don't think you're going to get it. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go eight and eight. But, I mean, I hope I'm wrong. You know, the farther this team goes, the farther I get to travel and, and see more. So, um, there you go. I, I, would, I wouldn't that's be right. mad if, if I'm wrong on this. What, what, what's your guys' predictions? Man, I'm <laughs> – I'm hopeful for more, but I'm I'm gonna settle about where you are. I, I just I'll believe it when I see it. You know, yeah. I've, I've hoped so long. So Sam, I, I don't know about about you. I think it all comes down to how good Marcus is. I think if Marcus can put together a full 16 games, completely healthy, um, and really gel into this new offense, I think this team could be really good and you know win 10 or 11 games. But like you said, Justin, I think they could be really good and better than they were last year, and maybe not have as good a record. Um, because the division is going to be a lot tougher. The schedule's tough, but really what I want to see out of this year is a full, healthy season on Marcus Mariota, and I will be happy with that. You just okay. don't need five or six wins because you're going to get a lot of criticism from Mike Grable. Not that he's going to listen to it, but you're going to be like, well, you fired Mike Malarkey, and then now you have six wins. If you have a better product on the field and you don't make the playoffs, I think fans can live with that a little more. But if you if you get five or six wins, man, I mean, that's – 
that that's that's, that's going to be a, a look. it'll be a, a good look. It'll be a real hot seat next year if he yeah. does that <laughs> this year. Let's put it that so, way. So we know that you don't only cover the Titans. So last question for you, is Brent Stock still going to win the Heisman Trophy from MTSU? Hey, have we seen him put together a full season? <laughs> Give me I a mean, healthy if, season if, on Stock, too. I know. If he, if he can put together a full season, and I mean, he'll put up 500 yards against Kentucky. I just don't know how he'll do against Georgia. <laughs> um, and, hey, I think I think the Blue Raiders can upset him this weekend. I mean, they're hungry. They, they're embarrassed by how they played last year. You know, I think they can. They know they can play a lot better. Um, you know, Scott Schaefer, that second year in, it, in his defense, I think they're going to be better in, in that regard. But I think Vanderbilt's better, too. Obviously, you know, a lot of pundits think they're going to be last along with Tennessee. Um, but they, they've got some, you know, Kyle Shermer is one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC. I know he doesn't have as much to work with, but as far as a signal caller, he's pretty good. Um, that's going to be a good game. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if Middle Tennessee – Maybe pulls off the upset. I think the spread was was six, and then it got down to three Monday. I haven't checked it since, but um, hey, now look out! Look out for them Blue Raiders now. Blue there Raiders rod. There you go. Let's there go. Third. All right, Justin. We, we appreciate you coming on and talking Titans. Would you like uh, go ahead and, and plug anything you'd like right now? Oh, just just uh, I, you know, I work for WSNV News Four. Uh, check us out. You know, this season we'll be covering the Titans and. Um, just thank you guys for letting me on, on the podcast and, uh, anytime you want me on, uh, for the season, I'm game. Yeah. Where, where can we follow you on social media? Oh, uh, at J Beasley W S M V that's J B E A S L E Y, uh, W S M V all 2000 of my followers. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's more than either of us. So perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, we appreciate you coming on Justin. And, um, as always, you can follow us the podcast at informal us on twitter or you can reach out to us at informal publication at gmail.com i'm at austin coley on twitter sam is at lewis underscore zero six until next time peace